0: Good afternoon church. Are we ready for the word of God? Before we say that because I, I, I was just trying to run over it in the earlier service but I just feel like you know it's just hanging in the air all of this, uh, this uh, I can't even pronounce it coronavirus uh, uh, thing. I just want you to say I will fear no evil. Fear no evil. Say it again loud and bold. Louder, amen. amen. Because I, at this point, I think the fear is worse than the disease that's going around. It's spreading and uh, and it's, it's just hanging there, you know. And uh, but uh, I want to encourage us uh, that you know we respond with wisdom with what we do know, but we won't feel feel what we don't know with fear. All right, amen. Because I feel that sometimes we as people have a tendency, we, we, we fill the unknown with fear. And I think there's enough that we have to deal with and then trying to deal with fear itself. So I want to encourage us, and uh, 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 God is good, amen. And I feel like the, that, that sometimes, even though the world is taken up by one thing, it doesn't necessarily mean that's where the finger of God is pointing. Amen. And I feel that uh, really, uh, as we come into this Sunday, we're going to be continuing our series, the encounter series, as we talk not just about our encounter with Christ, but our response to the encounter. Because we, we began talking about last week how it is our impact, uh, our, our, rather our response to the encounter will determine the impact of the encounter. So in that context, we're, we, uh, we're going to begin talking about, especially as we talk about our encounter with the cross, for instance, uh, we're going to be is, uh, launching a campaign, campaign called Reach One, where we're going to be challenging every, all of us as a church and as a congregation. Sometimes we, uh, I hear people tell me we need to do more about evangelism in the church. But you understand evangelism doesn't really happen from here. Evangelism happens from over there. In fact, most of you have much more interaction with unbelievers than I would. Most of my time is taken up by counseling you guys. Which, which is biblical, because it, our job is to empower the saints for the works of service. That you are the yeast in the dough, you are the, light, the salt of the earth, you are the light in the world. And, and so, even especially in, the, in seasons like this, uh, where people are so taken up by fear, uh, and I feel, I feel like the fear itself is the darkness, really. And I'm, I'm not trying to, uh, uh, un, uh, how do you say it, uh, undermine the value of human life and in, in some of the cost that it's called, but at the same, at the same time, you, it's hard to uh, deny that most of the darkness is coming out of the fear itself. And I really, I believe it's in Isaiah 60, it says, arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord, we know that part. But then, then it says, see, thick darkness covers the earth, and covers its people. But the glory of the Lord rises upon you. In other words, we're not here to join the world in darkness. We're there to now be the light in the darkness. In fact, light finds its value in the darkness. You don't think about the light switch until the night comes. But, but when the night comes, that little switch has a lot of value. And, I, and I, would, I would submit to you that this is the moment where we find our value in the world, that while people are looking for hope, this is our opportunity to give hope in the midst of all the fear. Amen? And so, um, so as we talk about this, uh, because really when, we really, when you truly have an encounter with God, uh, you, 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 it should not really be that you should be, have to be motivated to share Christ, to share the good things that you have. Anytime something, has, something good happens to you, it's the natural inclination of man to share it with others. In, in fact, it, it, if, you find, if, you, if you bought a new car, you want to bring people into the new car to experience the new car because there's something about you. When you get something something good happens in your life, you, you want the, the, the joy is not joy until you share it. And so I want us to really uh, begin to talk about and come back to that encounter and revisit the encounter uh, of, of what we have experienced in Christ to bring us back to a natural response. Because one thing, I, uh, and we're going to talk about her more today, but the woman at the well, I, what I love about that, that Jesus did not have to tell the woman at the well, I want you to go share what happened to you and go share it to your city. The minute she found what she was looking for, it was her natural response to go share with others. Amen? And so uh, we're going to be talking about this, and but but I, I really want us to be able to get at least one person, one person over these next five to six weeks. I want you to target intentionally one person in your heart to share the love of Christ with, to share the light of hope that you have and and sh- shed it into somebody else's darkness. Amen? So John chapter 4, uh, verses uh, 1 through 30, and then we'll also be in 39 through 42. I know it's a bit of a long passage, but I, I, I want us to capture the picture of it all uh, as we go. Actually, let me, let me just start, and we'll pray, and then go into the message. Amen? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for my god the light of the cross that still shines my god and my god we thank you it shines ever brighter into the fullness of day my god i pray my god that may that light shine so clearly now my god may the light shine in the darkness and we thank you the testimony is the darkness has not overcome it father god i pray even right now may your light shine my god in My God, every soul, every life, every issue, every circumstance, may the light shine, my God, and drive away fear, my God, and anxiety now in the name of Jesus, my God. We pray that we would not be bound uh, by fear, my God, but rather, my God, I pray right now may a spirit of faith, my God, be ignited in our hearts that causes us to be the lamp, my God, shining in the darkness. Father God, I pray that you would use my lips now, my God. I pray that as I open it, may it not be my thoughts that people hear, but may it be your heart. And we thank you now, Father, for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, John chapter 4, verses 1 through 30. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard Jesus made and had baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, He left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans? Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband, and that you spoke truly. <laughs> Jesus is interesting. <laughs> the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where we are one ought to worship. It's funny how Jesus catches her in this scandalous thing, and immediately she starts talking about worship. (laughs) In other words, she she was basically saying, let's change the subject. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming And now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Wow. And at this point his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman yet no one said what do you seek or why are you talking with her? I found scriptures interesting sometimes because it tells you the the, the human level of what's happening. Because it it tells you the things that we normally would think but would never say. And so it's showing, it's like, all of them saw what was happening, but all in everybody's mind, they said, we ain't going there. <laughs> and the woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, Come, see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. Verse 39 now. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all that I ever did. So when Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his own word. And then they said to the woman, now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him. And we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Amen. The whole story begins with a simple statement. He needed to go through Samaria. It's an interesting statement because most Jews would avoid going through Samaria at all cost. Which leads me to believe that the statement is not to the, to imply that the road or the logistics of his journey demanded that he go through samaria but rather something a, a something else compelled him to do so jesus was on a mission to he had an appointment with the woman of samaria And I don't know this about, I I don't know why, but this picture of Jesus going out of his way to put himself in front of this woman causes my heart to quicken with excitement. Because we all know, uh, are are familiar with the concept uh, or the principle of pursuing God. We, uh, we, we know what it means to pursue God. All throughout scriptures, we see people pursuing Jesus. We, we see people crying out for him. We see people trying to meet with him. We see people pushing through the crowds to reach him. We see people digging through the roofs to get into the presence of Jesus and we and, and and pursuit is is proper it's necessary it's important because pursuit cultivates a uh, it cultivates value because normally we don't value what we don't pursue and so sometimes god will put us in a pursuit footing so we will uh, so culti- we, so uh, value would be cultivated in the in our hearts for that which we are pursuing. But in this moment, there are times where it almost seems reversed, where it is now Jesus digging through the roofs to get to us. And and and, and, and we see Jesus now pursuing the woman. And it, it excites me because we all come to those moments where... Sometimes we would pursue him, but we're so confused we don't even know where to begin to look. And in those moments, there's a deep cry in us to be pursued. And, and I love it because Jesus is not afraid to go through the places everyone else is avoiding just to get to us. Some of us know what Jesus sometimes has to go through and dig through to get to us. That's the story of the Samaritan woman. That's that's what the story of the Samaritan woman is about. Jesus digs through the woman's issues. He digs through her pain. He digs through her confusion. He digs through her mess. He digs through her past. He digs through all of these different issues to get to her heart. And I don't know who this word is for, but Jesus is coming for you. Jesus is coming for you. You may be in a state of confusion, but Jesus is coming for you. Sometimes you don't know how to get to him, but in those moments he knows how to get to you. And Jesus is coming for you. He is digging to reach you, digging through your fears, digging through the issues, digging through the confusion. He is digging through it all to reach you. Help me preach to your neighbor this afternoon. Tell them he's coming for you is coming for you. Hallelujah. Isn't that the story of the gospel? The story is of the gospel is not that man was pursuing God. The story of the gospel is God pursuing man. That's all that's what you see all throughout scriptures. In fact, many people talk about and I and I believe it's an erroneous belief that somehow God hid himself from man because of man's sin. It was not Uh, God who hid himself from man it was man who hid himself from God because of his own sin it was God who pursued man even in the midst of his sin and said where are you Adam that's the beauty of the love story of the gospel all throughout you see it is God pursuing man you did not die to be with him he died to be with you it was not your sacrifice that mended the relationship. It was him who came to earth, sent his only son to mend the relationship so that we who were once far away, not him who was far away. He was never far away. We were far away. And he died and paid the price to bring we who were far away close again. Whew! Tell your neighbor, he's after me. Oh, he's after me. <laughs> he's after me. He's after me. I tell you, he's after, he's after me. He's after me. He's after me. He's after me. Don't ever let the enemy fool you into believing that he's ever rejected you. He's, he wants you more than you want him. <laughs> oh, I get happy when I think about I get happy when I think about it. I say I get happy when I think about it, that he was not afraid he humbled himself to pursue the one who was not even pursuing him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, I feel the anointing of the Holy Spirit in this place. Hallelujah. Jesus has an appointment with a woman who is not even pursuing him. She didn't ask for the appointment, (laughs) but Jesus made it anyway. She doesn't know anything about the appointment. And what I want to say about this appointment is that whenever you make an appointment usually there's two things involved. There's timing and there's place. And I feel the anointing of the Holy Spirit in this place. There's there's timing and there's place. And and, and what's significant in the appointment is not just time, but place. And I would suggest to you that the place of this appointment is significant. It's significant because Jesus really could have met this woman anywhere. Uh, he could have went and met her at her home uh, because uh, do you really believe that the jesus who 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 told his disciples uh, what city and what road and what condition to find a donkey in? you remember that he said he said you're going to go and, you're going to go to this town and you're going to go to this street you're going to go to this house and you're going to find a donkey there that's never been ridden and it's going to be tied up. Do you believe that God who knows where the donkey is, doesn't know where this woman lives? Tell your neighbor, he said, he knows where you are. (laughs) Isn't that good? Sometimes you don't even know where you are. You don't know where you are or what's happening in your life, but God knows right where you are. You may be lost to yourself, but you, you are never lost to him. He knows exactly where you are. He knows where she lives. But instead, he waits for her by the well of Jacob. Because his appointment is not just with her. His appointment is with her thirst. Jesus has an appointment with your thirst. And see, what some of you don't realize is that your thirst is the setup to your next encounter with him. Your thirst is a setup, and this is important for you to know, because sometimes we have the prote- we, we we have this tendency to 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 hide our thirst. Somehow we, we we believe that that God God is pleased when we show Him we got it all together, when we sh- when we come into His presence and we don't ha- have any needs. But the Bible says, "Blessed are they." who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they, they shall be filled. But sometimes, let's be honest, sometimes we, we come to church where we like to pretend and show everybody that we don't have any thirst. We, we, we come to a well, but we want to pretend that we're not thirsty. We, 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 you know, we say, well, we just came to visit. We just came to see what was happening at the well and came to look at the water and admire the, admire, admire the well and watch other people come to drink, but I'm okay. Right? We, 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 we have this thing. We want to show how much we got it together. But I'm here to tell you, don't be ashamed of your thirst because Jesus is after your thirst. Your, your next appointment is at your place of thirst. God wants to encounter you, and he wants to meet you at the, at that well at the place of your thirst your thirst is a setup tell your neighbor and say your thirst is a setup your thirst is a setup he's in fact he's not even intimidated by your thirst some of you think that, you're, you're, that, that you don't want to really admit what you're really thirsty for because God, you know, I, I don't think God wants to meet this because this thing is too big or this thing is too outlandish. or, or, or for, we, we, we put these things off and, and we say, well, Lord, if you just give us our daily bread. Yeah, he'll give you your daily bread, but you're God is the God of a, uh, that owns the cattle of a thousand hills. Are so you hearing? There, there is no thirst that intimidates him. Remember, Abraham came to, came to him, and, 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 he, and God came to Abraham, and the Bible says that he said, I am your shield and very great reward. But Abraham, all of a sudden, it almost slipped out. I don't even think he meant to say it. But I think was, sometimes your thirst gets to the level where you can't camouflage it anymore. You 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 try to pretend everything's okay. You try to bury. You try to. But there's moments where you it just comes out, and I think it almost slipped. And he said, "What can you bless me with?" In other words, he said, "Don't talk to me about blessing when you have given me no child." But and you think that that I'm, I'm, you're like if if, if you if you're Abraham's training, you're like Abraham. Calm down, dude. This it's, it's okay. Just, this. But God, God is not intimidated. He, he welcomed it. He welcomed it. He said, I've been waiting for you to talk to, about this to me. I've been waiting for you to share this thirst. I've been waiting for this moment because let me tell you what I'm going to do in your life. <laughs> he's not, he is not intimidated of your thirst. Jesus is waiting for you at the well. <laughs> tell, tell your neighbors he he's waiting for you. Yeah, he's waiting for you at that well. He's waiting for you at that place of thirst that you, that you are trying to hide. Because, because see what, what's interesting is that the woman didn't even realize she had an appointment. And some of you don't even know what you're about to walk into. You don't know what your thirst is leading you into. You don't know that your thirst is positioning you right where you need to be. But she didn't, she didn't expect to find anyone at the well at this hour. She went out of her way to make sure she didn't find anyone. <laughs> she, she went there at noontime. And I think we've heard enough sermons about this where we know that this is not the time where you, were, you usually draw Water from the well. Women draw, they usually go, come early morning, late evening when the sun goes down, when it's more comfortable to go out. You don't go at high noon when the sun is at its fullest. She went out of her way to make sure she didn't find anyone. And, and, you, and you, you almost get the hit from the passage that she was irritated that she found somebody there. <laughs> and, and most of all, she didn't want to find a man there, she had man issues. She had man issues. She had had man issues that gave her women issues and she, I mean, it was all it was all a mess. The side note in this is that that, you know, sometimes we talk about how the woman had man issues. The man in the town obviously also had woman issues because she has been with five of these men. (laughs) It's just the scripture. That's what the scripture said. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. But all to say is that the men had women issues. The women had men issues. And she did not want to talk to a man, see a man. And then she came closer and realized he's a Jewish man. And that, that, that just rose the irritation level. <laughs> and then Jesus, Jesus coolly, he says, can you give me a drink? And... And this time, these, these are hints. This would be hintly. You could take it to either he really wants water or it's a, uh, what, what do you call it now? A, a, a pickup line. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> That's what it was. It, and I'm not going to go. I don't have time to get into it. But it was basically it could be misconstrued as a pickup line. And so she responds in kind. The woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you being a Jew ask a drink of me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me the drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. He takes it from zero to 60. (laughs) If you knew the gift of God... And who it is that's asking. I feel our generation, we're so uh intimate with the gift of God, with the things of God, with the sermons of God, and the preachers of God, and the satellite stations of God, and and all the slogans and the performances. We 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 are connected with the things of God, the things that talk about God, doctors and the Theology that explain God, but we are missing the revelation of the who behind all of the gifts. And because he said there has to be two. He said, he said, he said, you have if you knew the gift and you knew who was asking you. Because when you understand who, who will change your whole conversation with you. It will change your whole relationship. It will change your whole interaction if you knew who. They say, Lord, give me a fresh revelation of who you are. Oh, that was weak. They say, Lord, give me a fresh revelation of who you are. Yeah, The the, the woman knew about God. She knew even about, she, she was talking to, she was preaching to Jesus about worship she gave him a worship sermonette. She, she, she even knew about Messiah. She said, well, finally, I know Messiah is coming. I, I mean, she knows a lot for the, you know, you don't normally expect someone in this, you know, life issues to be so, uh, 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 she, 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 to be so knowledgeable about, about the things of God. And she, she, she had a lot of information but it's funny how all the information became more of an obstacle to her really perceiving and having a revelation of the Jesus that was standing right in front of her. And somehow I think that sometimes, if we're not careful, all this you know all these things that we know and all these knowledges and all these experiences and all these head things that we know can actually become an obstacle to really be, and I really believe that. This is the reason why Jesus didn't reveal himself to the woman through information, but he revealed himself to the woman through her thirst. Because thirst has its own language. Thirst supersedes what you know in your head. Thirst goes on to another, it taps into a different place. It goes, it it skips the head and goes to the soul. And so he said, I'm not going to deal with the information. I want to talk to you about your thirst. I want to meet you at the place of your thirst. And so Jesus began by saying, give me a drink. Give me a drink. That's, it's, it's again, I, I, I could pass it up, but I just found it interesting that Jesus, because on one side, he presents to himself to the woman as someone who's going to satisfy his thir- her thirst. He presents himself to the woman as a, a source of living water. Yet the one who presented himself as the source of living water in the same breath asks her for a drink. Well, which is it? <laughs> are, you, are you the source or you are the one in need? But I realize that something about God that sometimes on one context, it looks like he is demanding something from her. But he is not so much, he is not demanding something from from her because he wants something from her. He's demanding something from her so he can can pour something into her. And sometimes you have to understand about God is that when He demands something from you, it's not because He really needs something from you, it's because He wants to pour something into you, He wants to unlock something inside of you. And so, sometimes to open your, your, your thirst, that to open things up, He will tell you, He will look like He's demanding something, but He's not really demanding something from you as much as He's opening the door to pour something into you. Is that good? And so, uh, verse 11 through 15, The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you go get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up to her everlasting life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this living, give me this water so that I might not thirst nor come here to draw. I want you to understand that at some point in this conversation, the conversation takes a shift. Because for both Jesus and the woman, the water has really become sort of code language. Where they, so uh, so uh, they... You know this code language that sometimes we speak, especially if you have children, you know as parents that when you have to talk about something and the kids are there, you'll, you'll talk about something without talking about something. But both of you know what you're talking about, but the children are looking about and they're asking what you're talking about. And that's what that, that's what's going on here, that if if you didn't know the code language, you might have a problem understanding what they're talking about because they continue to have this conversation about water that has nothing to do with the physical well, well or the physical water. But both of them know they're not talking about the water <laughs> or the well. There's, a conversation, there's another conversation happening beneath the words. And But this is not something unusual because in the antiquity of Jewish culture, wells also had a very symbolic meaning of their own, which is why many times you, they would give names to wells. Uh, you find that in Genesis 26 when Isaac, his servants dug wells. you remember this? And they dug wells and the Bible says that the people, they discovered water. And in fact, it says they, it was fresh running water. It was good water. And, but the inhabitants heard about the water they found and they came and quarreled with them about the water. And so Isaac named the well Asak, which means quarrel. Pretty straightforward. And then he goes and he digs another well and he finds water again. And they quarrel with him again about the water that they, they found. And so he, they, 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 uh, Isaac gave the name of the well, Sitna, which means enmity. In other, words, he, in other words, he is saying the first one was what happened. The second name had to do with what he felt about what was happening. <laughs> In other words, the first one could have been a misunderstanding. This one, you, you, he said, you, you are purposely, you, you become an enemy. You're you, 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 you antagonizing me. And so the, the Bible says that they, again, a third time, they dig a well and they find water. In Genesis 26, it says, and he, he moved from there and dug another well and they did not quarrel over it. So he called its name Rehoboth because he said, for now the Lord has made room for us and we shall be fruitful in the land. Now, here's the thing. He didn't say for now we found water. He said, for now the Lord has made room for us. I realized that I, you know, in the way that Isaac named this, Isaac was thirsty for more than just water. It was not the water, but it's what the water was going to do and what it was going to provide and what the water meant. It was beyond the water. It's almost like you want a certain amount of money, but it's it's not the money. It's what the money will do. All of us have a certain idea in our mind what we want that money to do. We have our own thirst. It's not that we're thirsting for the money. We're thirsting for what the money was going to do for us. they were digging, not more than just finding water. They were digging to find a place. They needed a place. They needed room. Uh, we we're all looking for a place. A farmer has, can have seed, all the seed in the world, but that seed needs a ground to sow into. The seed needs a place. You can have giftings, but the gifting needs a place. You can have ideas, but the ideas need a place. And, 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 and so deep inside, we're all looking for a place. We're looking for a room. And, and, I, and, 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 and so Isaac, when this, this thing opened up, he said, the Lord has made room for us. The Lord has made room for you. Hallelujah. I want to let you know the Lord will make room for you. The Lord will make room for you. He'll make room for your gifting. Make room for your purpose. Make room for those dreams. Make room. Let the Lord make. Don't try to make your own room and make a mess of things. Let the Lord make room for you. Amen. Don't, don't, don't wait on people to make room for you. Look to the Lord to make room for you. Amen. Hallelujah. D- just tell your name, the Lord will make room for you. Not only will he make room. He is your room, by the way. In him we live. In him we move. And in him we find our being. When you have the Lord, he is your room. He is your place. My God, I, are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so, I, but I realized something that in the first two wells. I used to think before when I used to read these passages, I used to think that, that these wells... That somehow, because they quarreled over it, that, he, that Isaac gave it over to, to, the, to the Philistines or to, to, uh, to the people. But huh? He, I used to think that he gave it over to them. But, but you can't name a whale that you don't own. Okay? So, he, so the fact that he named it showed that in the end he got it. But have you ever fought for something and then got what you fought for? But in the end, it didn't satisfy you the way that you thought it was going to satisfy you. That, that's what was sort of happening with Isaac. He, he was looking for something. And he thought, they, all of them provided water. But not all of them satisfied him in the way that they thought they were going to satisfy them. Because somehow, sometimes, when, when you call over, it sort of takes the the sweetness out of it a bit. And, and, and so he, he named it, and he, it because he said, I got it. I fought for it. I got, you got the position, but it didn't quite satisfy you. It didn't satisfy your, your, your desire for significance in the way that you thought it was going to satisfy you. Um, you got your place. You, you, you got your position. You, you, you got the husband. You got the wife but you somehow you, it, it, it didn't satisfy you, you still feel a certain loneliness you thought that would be an answer to, but, but, but it's still there. Uh, because there's, because uh, not every well was meant to supply you with that thirst. Okay, that's, an, that's another message. But, but sometimes we, we go after these things, we fight for these things, and we get it, and it doesn't satisfy us the way that we think it's going to satisfy us. And so, and so when Jesus and the woman are having this conversation, they're having it by what was known as Jacob's well. And, and the well of Jacob was of great significance to Samaritans who were viewed by the Jews as being half castes And as a result, the, the Jews largely slighted the Samaritans' claim to Israel as legitimate as illegitimate and but Jacob's well who which came to them through inheritance Jacob's well however lended credence and support to the Samaritan claim that we belong that that we have a place amongst you that we belong to the covenant of Abraham and so uh, so This is why the woman suddenly became defensive when she felt that Jesus was diminishing the value of Jacob's well. When he said anyone who drinks it will be, she got very defensive because it was more than just a well. It was validation. And that's why you hear this narrative. You say, are you saying that you're greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well? And now if you're a Jew, this would irk, irk you. That she was claiming Jacob as the father, as their father. But she, but th- another a conversation in the conversation. This is more than just a well. They, they, they were not just drawing water from the well, they were drawing validation. They were not just drawing water, they were drawing approval. They were drawing self-esteem. They were drawing self-worth. And you, I mean, we know, we know what this is because, or let me bring it home to us. We, it's more than just a title that explains my job description, it's validation. It's more than just a degree that explains my education. It's more than just a car. It's, it's, it's more than just a passport. It's more than just a house. It's more than just a marriage. It's more than just a husband. we, We are dipping our bowls into these wells to get more than just water. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? And that's why if anybody touches it, you become very defensive because it's not just the thing. There's something behind the thing. Are you understanding? And so, but the problem is, is not satisfying you the way you thought it was going to satisfy you. And because, how do I know this? Because the G- Jesus, the woman said to Jesus after he explains the water, he just said, Sir, give me this water so that I may not thirst. So I may not, I have the well, but I'm still thirsty. <laughs> I have got the water. But somehow, it's not satisfying me the way I thought it was going to satisfy me. It just numbs my thirst. It doesn't satisfy my thirst. I'm still thirsty for validation. I'm still thirsty for security. I'm still thirsty for acceptance. That's, and that's the problem with thirsty people. Thirsty people sometimes make a mess of things everywhere they go. Because when you're thirsty, you're trying to find water. And so, everywhere you go, you start, you tr- you, you, you start digging. You start digging for that water. You start digging for that acceptance. You start digging for that security. You start digging for that validation. Every time you go into the relationship, you start digging. Every time you get a new position, you start digging. Every time your paycheck comes, it goes away because you start digging. You're digging and you're digging and you're digging and your life is full of holes because you're thirsty. Let's ask your neighbor to ask them, are you thirsty? (laughs) Digging, but you're still thirsty. Relationship after relationship, thirsty. Marriage after marriage, but thirsty. And what I love about this is, though, that in all, through all of this, Jesus does not judge her for being thirsty. I, I would to get Jesus does not judge her for being thirsty. But instead, he sits down on Jacob's well and says, I have water that will satisfy your thirst. Here Jesus says... He is a living well. He is a well sitting on a well. And Jesus said that I am the well that you've been thirsting for. I am the well that does not disappoint. I am the well that never runs dry. I am the well that, that keeps on giving. Jesus is the well that keeps on giving. And, and, and so Jesus, he stands up and he says, If any man thirsts, let him come to me. If any man, th- it doesn't matter what you're thirsty for. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me. Hallelujah. Jesus is not intimidated. He, 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 he is confident in the water that he, he said, hey, If you're thirsty, let him come to me, and I will give him water that will satisfy the thirst. He says, No matter what your thirst is, bring your thirst to me and drink. See, you see, Jesus did not change the woman's thirst. There's nothing wrong with the thirst that we have in our lives. I want to say that again. You're not wrong for having the thirst. Many of the thirst God put it there. God put these desires there. There's nothing wrong with being thirsty for validation. There's nothing wrong with being thirsty for acceptance. We all want validation. We all want acceptance. We all want to belong. Are you understanding me? He, he, he said, you're not wrong for the thirst. I'm not here to judge the thirst. I, Jesus did not challenge the, what the woman was thirsting for, but rather he challenged where she was going to satisfy the thirst. It's not that our thirsts change, but what, where we go to satisfy that thirst changes. And he says to them, anyone who drinks of this well will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give shall never thirst. Indeed, it it will become it. And here's the thing that I want to put in you. Do we trust Jesus to satisfy our thirst? Do we still? Because here's the thing. We sometimes compartmentalize the things we want Jesus to satisfy or what we trust him to satisfy. We say, "Well, Lord, I trust you to encourage me, but, but for provision, I'll go to this well of, over here. I'll trust you for prayer, but even though I, I pray over here, I, I fulfill that desire over here. Do you still, do you trust him enough to satisfy the thirst? Because in that same passage that I read, he says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me. It says, if anyone believes in me, if you trust in me. If you trust in me to satisfy your thirst. And I just feel that God wants me to lead you back to the well of Christ. To lead you back to the well that will satisfy your soul. To restore your confidence in the well again. Because if we are honest... Sometimes, even though we have Christ, we don't draw from Christ. Je- the woman, see this picture of Jake, of Jesus and Jacob's well is a story of two wells. And, 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 and it is a and now it's about which well will you trust in, which well will you draw from. And I feel that Jesus wants to restore your confidence. In the will of Christ again. David said, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. It's not that I lost my salvation. It's that I don't draw the same joy I used to draw from it anymore. I I have the salvation, but I don't draw from the salvation anymore. He said, restore unto me the joy. Some of you, you, you haven't left God. You're still with him, but you don't draw from him. You don't trust him like you used to trust him. You don't draw that same joy. You don't draw that same passion. You, you have him there, but you draw from this well over here. And the thing is, that, that and, I, and I feel that sometimes what happens is when you don't get when all of a sudden it feels like you're doing the same thing you're going you're dipping in, but somehow the, the, the joy is not there the way it used to be, the passion is not there the way it used to be all of a sudden you lose confidence in the well, but sometimes the reason why you don't draw up what you used to draw out is not because the well is dry it's because the well is deep if, if if G- the woman said of Jacob's well, this well is deep. If that's true of Jacob's well, how much more true is it of Christ? This well is deep. And sometimes the reason that you're dipping and you're not bringing anything out is because you're not going deep enough. You've exhausted the water that's on that level. And you have to, you have to let down your, the, the bucket deeper into the well. Because sometimes we don't go past the depth of our own height our own need, our own thirst. But the well is deep. It's much deeper than you. And until you go deeper than you, at some point, if you just keep going at the you level, you're going to run out of water at that level. Because Jesus said about the woman, about the well, he said, this well is deep. He, she, she, he, said, he, said, he said, anyone who drinks the water, I give. He said, the water that I give shall become in him. Listen to this. He said, not only is it you're going to take it in, that water is going to become in you a fountain springing up into eternal life. In other words, the water I give is going to satisfy your thirst, but it's not going to stop at your thirst. It's going to go beyond your thirst. It's going to become a fountain where you now become a source of the thing you once thirsted for. And Jesus said, there's two dimensions of this water. There's two dimensions of this well. And if you just keep it at your thirst, you're going to run dry. And the Bible says, the Bible says that Jesus, that the woman... She drank and it was good. And the Bible says she left her water jar there. She left it there because she said, I'm satisfied. I found the well that quenches my thirst. I found the well that satisfies. I found that water finally. It was like Isaac. Isaac said, Finally, I found what I was thirsting for. And he said, It wasn't the water, it was the Lord. It was the Lord. The Lord has made room for us. He said, it looks like I'm drawing from the water, but I'm not really drawing from the the well. I'm drawing from the Lord. It looks like I'm working this job, but I'm not really drawing from this job. It's the Lord. I hear He he says, it's the Lord. I found the well. She leaves it there. And the Bible says she goes to the town. And and all of a sudden, something begins to erupt. The water that she drank... Because She said, come see a man. She told the men, come see a man. I found a real man. I found the man. I found the well. I know you're thirsty. Let me give you the water that I just ate. Come taste and see that the Lord is good. You'll taste it. But after you taste it, if you want more than a taste, begin to share it. Begin to go beyond you. Begin to become a fountain, a source, and all of a sudden, that same water that she drank, that same taste testimony that satisfied her, began to erupt from her soul, and multiplied, and multiplied, and multiplied, and tell your neighbor and say, "There's more." There's more. Oh, there's more in that well. There's more in that well. There's more in that well. I said, there's more in that well. There's more in that well. If you would just begin to share it, you're going to find a fountain that you never knew that was even there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the Bible says, all, all the town began to drink and drink, and drink, and they came to Jesus because they drank the water that came from the woman. Hallelujah. 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 There is more. I say there's more. And you see, sometimes when this demand of one sharing what you've experienced, it looks like god is demanding something from us but he's not really demanding something from you he's trying to get you to tap into the fountain that he's put inside of you you realize if if jesus wanted to reach the town he could have gone to the town right he could have gone there he was near enough but in the process (laughs) she would not have found the fountain if jesus would have gone are you hearing what i'm saying to you so he said, I'm, go- I'm, going to- I'm going to give you the opportunity to find the fountain that never runs dry. <laughs> Hallelujah. My God. There's more. That's what Mo- Moses, he encountered the burning bush. But he, and it, was, that, that, it was an encounter. It was powerful. It was life-changing to him. But when he brought the nation back to that same mountain, he didn't find the burning bush. He found the whole mountain on fire. Tell your neighbor, say, there's more. My, there is more. When you share, when you bring people back to that mountain, you're going to find that that burning bush has increased. Hallelujah. There is more. He told the woman, that, the, the widow woman, and he said, Go find empty vessels. Go find empty vessels and pour into those vessels and the bible says as long as she had an empty vessel the oil kept going and going and going and going and going the issue was not the oil, the oil could keep going the issue is when she ran out of vessels to pour her into and then the vessel went dry the oil went dry sometimes things go dry not because there's an issue with the oil but sometimes god is saying to you that at this point you need something to pour out into. And sometimes you run dry, not because something is not pouring in, but because you're not pouring out. And I, and I feel right now that, the, that God is in the next dimension of your faith, the next dimension of this encounter, the next dimension of what I poured into you now is to pour out. And you're going to find a fountain that never runs dry. A fountain that becomes in you. A blessing that comes in you. A testimony. Father God, we thank you now. We thank you now. That you are the well that never runs dry. You're the well that keeps giving. Help us now, my God. To pour out of that wealth. Of what you put in us. We thank you now in Jesus' name.
1: Hallelujah. Remain sunny. Thank you, Sally. Uh, one of the beauties stay with me just two minutes. I know it's a bit late today. One of the beauties of living in Africa is uh, in Europe is a different story. But in Africa, when we want water, we go to the river. We go to the forest. That's how we fetch water, and uh, as we grow up in the countryside when we are thirsty, what do we do? We go, we find a stream, and sometimes that stream is full of weeds. So we clear the weeds, and then go. That's the simplest way we have done, and I'm telling you, I was just as you were talking, I was reminded, you know, the joy of the Lord is inside us, but there are weeds I've been accumulating. <laughs> You know, all, don't, don't struggle. That fountain is there. That fountain is there. That fountain is there. It's not, it's not a new thing. 2,000 years ago, a spring of living water was planted in us, but weeds have accumulated. So can you clear that? Can I tell you a little bit? Let, let those weeds don't steal your joy. We're meant to be happy and Joyful, but don't let anything this week steal your joy. Clear the weeds, bitterness, anger, resentment, weeds, and the Holy Spirit will remind you. Just remove that, and you will see fresh river flowing not out of Jesus but out of you. Hallelujah! What a joyous week is going to be! Hallelujah. before, before I pray and the service just to remind you, you know we live in a world of information and when information when we really pay attention to it it becomes knowledge and then when we use knowledge properly it becomes wisdom so there's all kinds of information and knowledge floating this week this virus that's coming all over the world I like to stand with the promises of God. It says, no plague shall come near your house. And I want to declare to you, read to you and to your family, Psalm 91. You dwell in the shelter of the Almighty, and you are under His protection. That is the promises of God. So if the world is panicking, and we also go panicking, then what is the difference? We stand firm with what God has said. A thousand on your left. Or a thousand on your right. But in your life, God's protection is there. Yes, having said that, but live wisely. Okay? I want to give you the confidence that the promise of the Lord works. But also there is the Holy Spirit who leads us into all truth. Listen to him. Walk wisely live wisely live in faith walk in faith not in fear faith drives out fear father god thank you so much we've been instilled in our spirit not a river of fear but a river of faith A river of life has been poured into us. Help us as we go out into our community to share that life, to share that joy, to share that protecting power of the Holy Spirit and the promise of the word of God. No plague shall come near your house. Help your people to be wisely, walk wisely. In faith and not in fear and thank you for you will help us do that raise your hands and receive the blessings of the Lord the Lord bless you the Lord put his protecting hands upon you the Lord watch over your life with his grace and mercy so that no plague shall come near your house, your family or your household God's peace be upon you and his healing virtues be your protector in the name of the Father the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, God bless you. Give God praise. And next week, go to the Millennium Hall early because I think from 11, 12 o'clock on, probably the streets will be closed and so on. So make sure we get connected. Have a blessed day. take some flyers for entrance to the auditorium next week.